For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome into the first ever episode of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone. I'm thrilled to be able to bring uh, content about these four schools, Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, and NC State to you uh, each week, sometimes a couple times a week, especially when we're uh, in season for football and basketball, uh, especially. But I'm somebody that grew up near these four schools, following these four schools, and really uh, growing into a fan of these four schools and the rivalry and history uh, that's around these four programs. Uh, so the, for the first week, the, the thing I really wanted to do when I sat down and thought about it, and I'm sure it's been done before, but I hadn't seen it done in a while, I wanted to come up with the starting five, because of course basketball is, is king on Tobacco Road with these four schools, but I wanted to come up with the all-time starting five for each four schools in terms of their basketball programs. And then I wanted to come up with the all-time roster for Tobacco Road, combining those four schools together, so the all-time Tobacco Road roster. So to go ahead and get into uh, into that, I did a lot of research uh, in terms of you know, how I was going to, uh, to come up with the top five for, uh, for each team. And I'll explain how I ended up coming up with what ended up being the all-time Tobacco Road roster in a little bit when we get to that point. But I want to start out with uh, with Duke first. Uh, and we'll start at the point guard position. Uh, Bobby Hurley is the Duke all-time point guard, in my opinion. Uh, when you look at what Hurley did during his college career, he averaged 12 points and 8 assists per, uh, per contest. He shot 40% from three, 41% overall. His true field goal percentage was 51.5%. So he, he was remarkably efficient in his time at Duke. He, of course, won two national championships. He was two times uh, NCAA All-Tourney, two-time All-Region. He was also the tourney most outstanding player. He was the 1992 All-AC, made the 1992 All-ACC tournament team, and he was three-time All-ACC. So when it comes to point guards, the first one that always comes to mind for everybody, whether you, whether you love him or hate him, it's Bobby Hurley because the competitor he was, the numbers he put up, and really the, the accolades he piled up during his time playing for the Blue, Duke Blue Devils. On to the, uh, the second guy I came up with for the all-time Duke roster at the shooting guard position. Uh, look, this is not 
a secret. Some people may try to debate it a little bit because they hate on the guy or they're a little older, but it's J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is one of the best college basketball players of all time. Averaged just under 20 points a game for his career, shot just under 41% from three. He was 91% from the uh, from the free throw line. He was the AP Player of the Year in 2005-2006. He was a two-time consensus All-American. He won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award. He won the Rupp Trophy twice. He was the ACC Player of the Year twice. Four times he was All-ACC. He was three times All-ACC Tournament. And twice he was the ACC Tournament MVP. That really says it all about J.J. Reddick. The only thing he didn't accomplish was winning a national championship while he was at Duke. Other than that, uh, it's he is really he's one of, if not the greatest Duke Blue Devil of all time. He's certainly in the top three, so no surprise that he's in the uh, the top five roster of all time. We move on to small forward. This is where it got a little interesting, and I had to think about it a little bit. Uh, but at small forward, I went with Grant Hill. Uh, Grant Hill was a guy that stuffed the stat sheet. You know, a lot of people when they talk about the NBA and LeBron James comes up. Grant Hill was kind of a guy that a lot of people thought if he hadn't got injured and hadn't gone through the injury problems he went through, he might have been the next best player in the NBA after Michael Jordan retired. He would have certainly been in the discussion, but he was a guy that just really stuffed the stat sheet, averaged about 15 points a game, six rebounds, three and a half assists. He also shot 53% from the field and 38% from three-point range. Uh, of course, made the pa- the famous pass to uh, to Christian Leitner in that game against Kentucky. Uh, you look at his accolades: two times he was the in- two-time NCAA champion, two times he was All-Tourney, he was All-Region, uh, two-time consensus All-American, three times he was All-ACC. He was the ACC Player of the Year in '93, '94, and he was All-ACC Tournament three times. So. When you think about those early 90s teams, those are the teams that really set the precedent for Duke and really got Coach K and company moving in the right direction. Not necessarily moving in the right direction, but really cemented Duke as a legitimate year-in and year-out title threat and their legitimate blue blood program. So it's no surprise that a lot of these guys, uh, or at least two of these guys so far, when it comes to the Duke all-time starting five, came off of those early 90s squats. When you move on to the power forward position, I ended up going with Shane Battier here. And and this one, there could be some discussion about Shane Battier and and whether he should be on on this list, but he's another guy that when it comes to the Duke roster, and when you look at Duke's all time players, he's a guy that just did it all for Duke. Now, you know, really when he first got to Duke, he was primarily a guy that it was a lockdown defender. He's one of the best defenders in the country pretty much all four years that he was at Duke. You know, points-wise, he averaged 13.5 points, six rebounds per game, shot 42% from three, shot 50% from the field. He also won an NCAA championship. He was all-turning. He was two-time NCAA All-Region. He was the tourney outstanding player. He was the AP Player of the Year. Twice he was a consensus All-American. He won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award, and the Rupp Trophy, ACC Player of the Year, three-time All-ACC, three-time All-ACC Tournament, two times he was ACC All-Defense. He was also ACC All-Freshman and the ACC Tournament MVP. So uh, Shane Bettier, very similar to J.J. Redick in the, fa- in the 
accolades that he piled up, the guy pretty much won everything uh, during his time at Duke and also capped his career off winning a national championship as well. And when you move to the center position for the Blue Devils, no surprise whatsoever. It's <laughs> the, most, the most hated guy probably in college basketball history. It's Christian Leitner. Leitner averaged 17 points, 8 rebounds, shot 57% from the field, 48.5% from three, which is impressive for a guy that was 6'11 and played the center position, especially in the early 90s. That was basically unheard of. But he was a two-time NCAA All-Champion, two-time All-Tourney, four times he was All-Region. He was the tourney most outstanding player. He was the AP Player of the Year, two-time Consensus All-American, won an award winner, Naismith Award winner, Rupp Trophy winner, ACC Player of the Year in 91-92, three-time All-ACC, four-time All-ACC All-Tourney, and then the ACC Tournament MVP as well. And, and the fact that his legacy, he's a guy that people love to hate, and they love to hate him because you either loved him because he played for your team, you were a Duke fan, or you hated him because of how good the guy was and how annoying he could be about it, and he loved being that way. So you know, clearly, Christian Leitner, probably most people would say the greatest uh, Duke Blue Devil of all time, no doubt in the uh, the all-time starting five for Duke. So to recap real quick, Bobby Hurley, J.J. Redick, Grant Hill, Shane Battier, Christian Leitner, the Duke all-time starting five. We'll move over to the UNC Tar Heels, of course, and there's a lot of discussion you can have with uh, with this as well because, they, they again, such a historic program that has had a ton of great players come through. But starting out at the point guard position, and UNC, particularly when it comes to point guards that have won, UNC is almost like point guard U. You know, Raymond Felton, uh, you know, Ty Lawson, Marcus Page, uh, the list goes on and on with great point guards that have come through UNC and been successful at a high level. But it, to me, it, it goes back to Phil Ford. Phil Ford, to me, is the greatest point guard in UNC history. He averaged... 18.5 points per game, 6 assists per game. He was a three-time consensus All-American. He won the Wooden Award. He was the ACC Player of the Year in 77-78. Three-time All-ACC Performer. Four-time All-ACC Tournament. And then he won the ACC Tournament MVP as well. So because of that, I give the nod to, uh, to Phil Ford in terms of uh, what he was able to achieve while at, uh, at UNC and all the accolades that he was able to pile up. Now, shooting guard, there's really not a lot of discussion that needs to be had. It's Michael Jordan. Like, like He's the greatest player uh, in the history of basketball. Uh, maybe not at the college level, because that would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but Michael, of course, still up there and still one of the greatest players of all time, the best shooting guard that UNC has ever had. Averaged uh, just under 18 points per game, and he averaged five rebounds per game during his time at UNC. Of course, won a championship. There's not a whole lot of discussion that needs to uh, needs to necessarily be had about why uh, why uh, Michael Jordan is uh, certainly on the UNC all-time roster. We move on, and a guy that was his teammate on that 1982 national championship team, the best small forward in UNC history, in my opinion, is James Worthy. I think uh, Worthy is a guy that he was really probably the best player on that national championship team. Jordan, of course, hit the big shot. Uh, but I thought James Worthy, I think a lot of people would agree, Worthy was the guy that kind of carried carried that team through the tough stretches of that season and that tournament. You know, he averaged 14.5 points, 
seven and a half rebounds during his his career at UNC. Won the championship, like we mentioned. He was All-Tournament. He was the tourney outstanding player. He was a consensus All-American, two-time All-ACC, and he was the ACC Tournament MVP as well. So James Worthy, I think, um, most certainly deserving of being in that uh, that all-time starting five for uh, for UNC basketball. As we move on to the power forward position, and UNC's had a lot of really good big men in their time as well. There's a lot, a lot of discussion that can be had, but uh, Anton Jameson, even though he didn't win a national championship, and he was on probably two of the best UNC teams to not win a championship in the late 90s with Jameson, Vince Carter, Shaman Williams, Ed Cota. Those teams were just a ton of fun to watch. And even though they didn't win a championship, he had a great career. 19 points, just a shade under 10 rebounds per game. Shot 58% from the field. He was two-time NCAA All-Region. He was the ACC Player of the Year in 97-98. Won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award, and the Rupp Trophy. He was the ACC Player of the Year that year. Uh, also three-time All-ACC and won the ACC Tournament MVP. So Anton Jamison, a guy that uh, just achieved so much when he was at Carolina. And like I said, he was, even though they didn't win a championship, he was on uh, one of a couple of the best teams that never won a championship, not just in terms of North Carolina, but I think in terms of college basketball history as well. And, and when you move to the center, like I said, you know, Carolina's had a long list of great big men. You know, you, you could start with McAdoo back in the 70s. You can go to Perkins, uh, you know, moving on down down the list. Montrose, uh, even, you know, even Jamison could be considered a big. Rasheed Wallace. They've had no short, li- no short list of great big men. But none of them <laughs> achieved as much as Tyler Hansborough did. Hansborough averaged 20 points. 8.6 rebounds, shot 54% from the field, won an NCAA championship. Three times he was the all, re, all NCAA All-Region AP Player of the Year in 07-08. He was a consensus All-American four times. He's the first one on this list that we've said that about. Won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award, the Rupp Trophy, ACC Player of the Year in 07-08. Four times he was All-ACC and, and just continues to go on and on. Tyler Hansborough is in that discussion in terms of maybe the best basketball player at the college level in UNC history. A lot of people would argue with that because of Michael Jordan being in that discussion. But if you base it strictly off college, there is certainly an argument to be made for Tyler Hansborough as the best uh, best basketball player in UNC history. So that, to recap that UNC all-time five, you got Phil Ford, Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Anton Jamison, and Tyler Hansborough. Moving over to NC State, and it gets a little more interesting because NC State, you know, if we're just being blunt, they haven't had the success those other two programs have had. But that doesn't mean they haven't had some great basketball players that have come through there. Um, in terms of when you go to the point guard position, and this guy, look, he, he is certainly not the most talented point guard that NC State has ever had. But in terms of what he achieved at the college level, the fact that he was there for four years, that that, that kind of wades in on why this guy is my all-time NC State point guard. 
It's Chris Corciani, who averaged 11.5 points, 8.4 assists, shot just under 41% from three. Uh, he was three times. He was all ACC, and he made the ACC All-Tournament team in 1991. Uh, also, you know, he put up those numbers having to compete against some legendary Duke and UNC teams. So uh, that, for me, is why Chris Corciani is the guy that you go with as the all-time NC State point guard. Like I said, talent-wise, there have certainly been some better guys that have come and went. But they didn't stay for four years. They didn't necessarily pile up the same kind of accolades that, uh, that Chris Corciani did during his, uh, during his time at, uh, at NC State. As we move on to the shooting guard position, this is, uh, you know, I mentioned how much of a slam dunk Michael Jordan was for being on the UNC roster. This guy, this guy might be a slam dunk for the greatest ACC player of all time. David Thompson averaged just under 27 points per game and averaged eight rebounds per game during his time with the Wolfpack. He won a championship, of course. They beat, uh, beat UCLA in the 70s. Uh, he was all-tournament, all-region, the out- most outstanding player. Twice he was the AP Player of the Year. Three times he was a consensus All-American. He won the Naismith Award, the Rupp Trophy, three-time ACC Player of the Year, and three times he was All-ACC. No question, David Thompson's a slam dunk to be in uh, in NC State's all-time starting five. As we move all over to the small forward position, uh, Julius Hodge is, particularly when you talk to the younger generation of NC State fans, Julius Hodge is the guy that's going to come to mind immediately when you talk about great NC State players. A lot of them will say David Thompson because they've been taught that and learned that over time. But in terms of guys that they saw with their eyes, it's Julius Hodge. Hodge averaged 16 points, six rebounds, three and a half assists. Uh, He was a consensus All-American, ACC Player of the Year in 0304. Three times he was All-ACC and four times he was all a, the all AC, on the All-ACC tournament team. So Julius Hodge was a guy that certainly piled up a lot of accolades during his time at NC State and absolutely deserves to be in their all-time starting five. As we move to the power forward position, I'm going to take it way, <laughs> way, way back on this one. Way back. Some of you youngsters that are listening, maybe never even heard of this guy. That's how way back we're going for, uh, for NC State's all-time power forward. We're going back to the 50s, 1954 to 56. I'll tell you about a guy named Ronnie Shavlik. Averaged 19 points and 17 rebounds per game. Twice, he was a consensus All-American. He was the ACC Player of the Year in 55-56. All-ACC twice, ACC Tournament MVP, and three times he was All-ACC Tournament. Those numbers just say it for themselves. Ronnie Shavlik uh, has solidified himself as one of the best uh, best NC State players of all times. Those numbers, uh, you don't know if they'll ever be duplicated necessarily again in uh, in college basketball. Moving over to the uh, to the center position, and this is a guy that was teammates with the guy that I said is the best player, of course, in uh, in NC State basketball history, but. This guy was also on that team and played a pivotal, pivotal role in terms of uh, winning that national championship and beating UCLA. It was uh, it was Tommy Burleson. Uh, Burleson 
averaged 19 points at just under 13 rebounds per game. He was an absolute force for NC State on that uh, that national championship team and really played a pivotal monster role in uh, in terms of they, them being able to win that national championship. So your all-time starting five for NC State that we came up with, Chris Corciani, David Thompson, Julius Hodge, Ronnie Shavlik, and Tommy Burleson. Now we move to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And low-key, when you look at the roster, the, the five that we came up with, they may have the most accomplished NBA five, just when you look at it overall. I mean, Michael Jordan, it's hard to compete with that uh, if you're anybody else. But in terms of, you know, weighing it out across the five, at, at the point guard position, it's Chris Paul. That, and I made an exception here, and you'll see what I mean in a second. But but Chris Paul averaged, you know, 15 points, four rebounds, six assists, shot 47% from three. He was a consensus All-American. Two times he was All-ACC. ACC All-Freshman, two-time ACC All-Defense, and he was the ACC Rookie of the Year in 0304. Of course, went on, has gone on to have a terrific NBA career as well. Not a huge uh, discussion that needs to take place, in my opinion, about Chris Paul as the point guard. And I'm going to show you why here in a second as we move to the shooting guard. This is where I put Randolph Childress. Uh, I, I could not think about, I couldn't come up with a way to not put these two in the backcourt together. Even though they both technically played point guard, I think you can make the case that Childers could have slid off the ball and played with Chris Paul if you needed him to and also handled the ball. Also the fact that Childers, much more of a primary score. And when you look at the assist numbers, Childers just 3.9 uh, as opposed to 18 points per game, whereas Paul was 15 and 6. So, Childress was the guy that I ended up putting, and he's the guy that, you know, outside of Duncan, he's probably the guy that m most Wake Forest fans remember fondly just because of, like, ACC tournament performances and some of his big-time special shots and performances. Uh, you know, he's a consensus All-American, three-time All-ACC, two times he was All-ACC tournament, and also won the ACC tournament MVP, and that's the specific performance I'm speaking of in terms of uh, Randolph Childress and just in terms of being remembered fondly by Wake Forest fans. As we move over to the small forward position, this is a guy that, uh, in, in terms of you know, most of what this ro these rosters have come around in terms of their time frame, this is one of the more recent guys. Um, you know, Not quite as recent as Chris Paul, I guess you would say, but, but Josh Howard is the small forward. A guy that kind of stuffed the stat sheet, averaged 14 points, 6.6 rebounds, was a consensus All-American. He was the ACC Player of the Year in 03, 02-03. Three times he was All-ACC. He was ACC All-Defense. Won the, uh, it was the ACC All-Tournament. Has his jersey retired at, uh, at Wake Forest. Josh Howard is a guy that is remembered uh, extremely fondly by Wake Forest fans. So really not uh, not much of a debate in terms of having him where he is at as the all-time small forward. We move to the power forward spot. That's a guy that went on to have a pretty solid uh, NBA career as well. Rodney Rogers, the guy that I went with as the all-time power forward for uh, for Wake Forest. He he had a terrific career when he was at uh, Wake Forest. A guy that you know put up 
gaudy numbers, averaged uh, you know, 19 points, 7.9 rebounds per game. Um, you know, they, they played him um, in ter- they played him at the power forward position, like I said. Um, but a guy that yeah, he really kind of carried some Wake Forest teams that that weren't all that great, which made you know his his performances uh, that much more impressive. Uh, you know, he averaged like I said, nineteen point seven point nine rebounds per game. He was a consensus All American, ACC Player of the Year three times. He was All ACC, All ACC Tournament in '92, and he was the ACC Rookie of the Year in '1991. So a guy that uh, you know really piled up some uh, some accolades in his time at uh, at Wake Forest, and then of course the, <laughs> the center. Eh, again, this is kind of a Michael Jordan case. Don't really need to talk about it too much. Tim Duncan. Uh, 16 and a half points, 12 rebounds per game, ACC Player of the Year, and a ton of other accolades during his final season at uh, at Wake Forest. So really, don't have to go into a whole lot of great detail when it comes to the uh, to the center for Wake Forest. So again, their five at Wake Forest: Chris Paul, Randolph Childers, Josh Howard, Rodney Rogers, and Tim Duncan. Now we go from the, those 20 players, that 20 player pool, and condensing that down to a 12-player roster in terms of, or I guess a 10-player roster in terms of the all-time roster for Tobacco Road. Here's how I came up with how to do this. I went with a point system. It was one point for each accolade, whether it was an all-ACC, all, or an you know, AP Player of the Year, all that weighed out the same. Then I gave two points for each national championship. That was how I decided to do that tried it the first time and really liked what it came out with so here's what i ended up coming out with and, and i'll even tell you the points that uh, that they accrued but starting out at point guard there was only one point guard in terms of going off the point system and that was phil ford so phil ford the all-time acc or the all-time tobacco road point guard at shooting guard no real surprise we came up with three players and three great players david thompson would be the first one then it would be jj reddick and michael jordan just because of the points that they totaled reddick of course had the extra year on michael jordan in terms of piling up some of those accolades only one small forward it was grant hill as we mentioned all the accolades he he had and then winning a couple championships as well the power forward position shane battier and anton jameson Really can't do much better than that in terms of, you know, the rosters we had and looking at those two guys and the careers that they had. And then the centers, really not much to debate here. Christian Leitner and Tim Duncan. So, yeah, and and that was the other thing was I wanted to make sure I had at least one player from each school. So you get one player from NC State, one player from Wake Forest. Then the rest is, of course, piled up with Duke and UNC guys. But, but again, that all-time roster of Phil Ford, David Thompson, J.J. Redick, Michael Jordan, Grant Hill, Shane Battier, Anton Jameson, Christian Leitner, and Tim Duncan. It was a lot of fun to come up with that because, like I said, I, I just hadn't seen anybody do anything like that in a while, so I wanted to uh, to put something like that together. Uh, so a lot of fun to uh, to come up with that uh, in terms of the ACC, or in terms of the Tobacco Road all-time roster and the all-time starting five for each Tobacco Road uh, team. So switching gears a little bit for the final few minutes to uh, to college football, just because uh, North Carolina has had a huge week on the recruiting trail as Mac Brown continues to solidify him as himself as a recruiting force. First of all, let's go back to last year. 
Brown had a top 20 recruiting class and was basically his first full recruiting cycle back. And you know, pulled up, pulled a nice, pulled a nice uh, pluck, few plucks, getting Sam Howell to come. Howell, of course, a guy that you know people are even talking about as a potential dark horse for the Heisman. Uh, people are expecting big things out of U- this UNC team this year in terms of uh, at least probably being the favorite to win the ACC Coastal. I don't know if they're going to get. I don't think they'll give Clemson much push this year, but that could be coming. And there's good reason that people think that in the next few years, UNC landed the number one defensive back in the country uh, earlier this week when they signed uh, defensive back Tony Grimes, who is the number one overall defensive back, like I said, he's ranked sixth in the country overall. And he has moved UNC to the number three recruiting class in the country currently. They are only behind Ohio State in Clemson in terms of the recruiting. Also, UNC now has a high an all-time high for them. They have landed 12 ESPN top 300 players already in this recruiting cycle. That's incredible this early in the game. And it's significant when you you know factor in coronavirus and everything that, that is changing in terms of recruiting, you know, who's going to get to play games, things like that this fall. That's incredible and significant for UNC that they've already built that good of a base. Now, who knows if they're going to stay at number three? That That's kind of irrelevant. You would love for them, of course, if you're a UNC fan, to keep piling up those recruits. But look, schools like Alabama haven't really got going yet. They've only got 10, 10 recruits so far. LSU only has 13. There's some teams that haven't necessarily started piling in their recruits yet that you expect are going to start to pile in some recruits, and that could move UNC down a little bit. But nonetheless, they have put themselves in a position where this recruiting class is a potential game changer for them. Not only is Grimes significant because of how good he is and moving them into third, they get a top flight recruit out of the Virginia Beach area or the 757 as it's commonly referred to. And that's huge because so much talent comes out of that area. And UNC hasn't been getting much talent out of that area over the last several years. So the fact that they're able to land that kid and lay some groundwork and some roots there in terms of recruiting, that that can pay dividends not just this year, but years going down the line when you pull in a guy like Tony Grimes and and lay that groundwork in a recruiting hotbed like the 757. Also, you know, proving that how huge of a deal it was that Mac Brown brought Dre Bly in. Because when you can bring in a guy that played in the NFL at the, those, that position, such an important position at the defensive back position, when you have a guy that played at such a high level in the NFL and can teach these guys those skills, it makes sense that these kids are going to want to come to play for a guy like Dre Bly. So, uh, like I said, huge week in terms of recruiting for uh, for UNC as uh, Mac Brown and company continuing to roll but keep in mind if you're a UNC fan this is going to take you know Clemson has like a five to six year seven seven to eight year head start it took Clemson years and years of these recruiting classes these top five recruiting classes before they got to the level where they could compete with the Alabamas you got to keep that in mind And, and if you're North Carolina you are directly competing and tracking Clemson so it's going to take some time. This is not going to happen overnight, 
But UNC is certainly laying the groundwork to be a team in the near future that could challenge the Clemson Tigers for ACC supremacy. That'll do it for uh, for this episode of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I thank you so much for listening. Please uh, subscribe and download on anywhere you get podcasts, especially Apple and Spotify. Make sure you tune back in next week for our next episode. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.